Hello, Knight fans. This is Money Moo. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you hit that subscribe button as we're now on iTunes and SoundCloud. We wanted to apologize for the less than perfect audio quality. Still working out some of the kinks, but we wanted to get the content out to the fans as soon as possible. Go Knights and charge on. Hello and welcome to the One Night Stand Podcast. It's Saturday, September 1st, and guess what? UCF's undefeated. What's up, guys? It's Money Moo. Started off the season 1-0, just like our Knights. I hope you cashed in on that pick last night. If you didn't, you probably missed our first episode where I said to take the Knights minus 23 and a half, and they easily won by 39. The rest of my picks this week are all weekend games, meaning today. So go check out our first episode to get my best college picks. All right, and I'm UCF Probs. On today's show, we're going to recap yesterday's civil conflict blowout. And then we have a few little segments for you guys, including one called Meanwhile to the West, where we talk about news from our geographically challenged rival to the West. That's USF if you're new around here. All right, move, start us off. 56-17. UCF puts a beatdown on UConn as Mackenzie Milton throws five touchdown passes, taking home the Civil Conflict Trophy for the third year in a row. Probs, I don't even know where to start. What should we talk about first? I mean, I think the obvious thing we've got to talk about is the offense. What a game. We scored eight touchdowns. Everyone was wondering the transition from Frost to Heupel. You know, we were kind of speculating that it would be faster, we would take more deep shots, but we really didn't know. I think yesterday proved it, man. I like this offense a lot better. We were moving the ball. We only punted once, just absolutely destroyed them. And I know this is probably one of the worst defenses we'll see all year, but they're still a conference opponent. We look good, and the outlook for this season just got a whole lot brighter, in my opinion. Yeah, it probably is going to be the worst defense that we (laughs) play against this year, even considering next week with South Carolina State. I really love the fact that Mackenzie Milton spread the ball around to three different receivers. And these three receivers, Trey Nixon, Dredrick Snelson, and Gabe Davis, these are our three guys. Our one, two, and three. And Trey Nixon... Not in any particular order. (laughs) I'm kind of leaning towards Trey Nixon, though. I'm falling in love with the guy right here in the first game. Five catches, 101 yards, two touchdowns. The first touchdown for Mackenzie Milton was to Trey Nixon on a quarterback rollout right. It was kind of a little bit of a broken play. It was, but you could tell that Milton was pointing to Trey. He trusted in Trey to turn on the Jets and really outrun the defender. Welcome to Night Nation, son. And and that wasn't an easy catch, but, you know, the whole thing, the reason that happened is someone kind of missed a block. And, honestly, besides this... The O-line played absolutely lights out perfect yesterday. They really had a hell of a game. But because of that, McKenzie was forced to roll out, and then he found him in the back of the end zone. And, I mean, that was a great throw and a great catch contested there. But besides just spreading the ball out with the receivers, I think another thing we did balance well, too, was calling run and pass plays. The ratio was 32 passes to 36 runs. 
We got a lot of different running backs involved. I know AK was in a lot toward the beginning. Then we got Taj McGowan in. Greg McRae had a touchdown and a couple touches. We have so many weapons on offense. Otis Anderson, Juice, obviously, touched the ball five times. Two of them were touchdowns. 40% conversion rate, absolutely amazing. So we have so many weapons. They don't even know who to give the ball to, I feel like. Yeah, what a stat there with with Otis. Uh, it's crazy, though, to think that with all of these weapons, our leading rusher was our backup quarterback, Daryl Mack. One carry, 70 yards, an electrifying run down the field. Kind of in garbage time, but... Hey, it's it's awesome, still man. counted on the board, right? Yeah, that I mean, he, he was in there, I think, for like six plays or something like that. Had two completions, hand the ball off a couple times, and the seven-yard touchdown. Hey, buddy, welcome to the league. And not just the offense. I mean, the defense played really awesome, too. A lot of guys stood out. Who was one that kind of stood out to you? Richie Grant, especially. On the first UConn drive, our defense was sort of in a bend-not-break kind of mode. Uh, we didn't give up the big play, but they definitely had some yards on us, and I think they were around the 30-40 yard line. Uh-huh. Did a small run up the middle, Richie Grant recovering a fumble after a huge hit in our first takeaway of the year. Mm-hmm. And then he had that pick later in the game, which, talking about what you said, the bend not break, we did give up some yards, but because we were able to take the ball away, won the turnover battle, three turnovers to none for us, no giveaways. Uh, we were able to give up those yards, but not give up many points. One player that really stood out to me was Savage Pat Jasinski. Now everyone was kind of wondering coming the into this Savage, <laughs> the Savage coming into this game, who was gonna kind of fill the shoes and the leadership role of Shaquem Griffin, the guy that was in on almost every tackle, or if he wasn't on a tackle, he was right there. And Pat was flying all over the field yesterday. He led the team in tackles. I think he had like 11. But overall, I think it was an all-around solid effort from the D. And you talked about the DBs and the kind of bend, not break. But, you know, a lot of the time the quarterback was forced to scramble because there just wasn't anyone open. I mean, we had him covered pretty well a lot of the time. And going on that D line, applying pressure, they forced him out of the pocket quite a bit. Uh, I know we didn't get any sacks, so it wasn't the prettiest game on paper for the D-line, but we were really pushing them back right as the ball was snapped, and I think they did a good job of getting pressure and forcing him to kind of use his feet. You know, at first, Sean, I was a little disappointed that, that we didn't have any sacks, just because <laughs> that's a good, I'm a box score junkie, yeah. so I've got, I've got to have that satisfaction of, of having the sacks on there. But I, I think you're totally right when you say that the line was getting penetration. Yeah. It's, this guy... David Pendle was he was scrambling on every single play. Yeah. And it gives me hope that later on in the season when we're playing more pocket pass quarterbacks that that pocket's going to collapse and that quarterback's going down. Yep. And you know who's going to be on top of him? Number <laughs> 9 Tristan Hill, baby. <laughs> yeah, he actually had two tackles for loss yesterday. All around great game. Who do we leave out? Oh, the specialists, obviously. Geez, you know, Mac Loudermilk, he might be thinking about transferring. He's not getting any playing time out there, punting. One punt on the game. Who else stood out to he you? He did have eight perfect holds on the extra point. And also eight perfect snaps, long snaps, by Caleb Perez. Want to give a big shout-out to my boy kicker Matthew Wright for a touchdown-saving tackle on a kickoff. Way to put your body out there, buddy. That Good was, job. That was definitely nice. All right, so... All around, awesome game, crushed it. Civil Conflict Trophy comes home for the third straight year. There was maybe two little things that I wanted to talk about 
though. Um, one of them that kind of stood out to me, a lot of people were kind of whining on social media about the missed tackles. People whine on social media? No. <laughs> no way. Uh, the missed tackles. And I think people are kind of blowing it out of proportion. I mean, the, the quarterback was, I mean, he's a straight baller. He was He's really quick and tough to bring down. And open field tackles aren't that easy to make. Do I think Randy Shannon is going to have these guys in tackling drills for the next nine days? Probably. But is it anything to worry about? I don't think so. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. We just need to tighten the screws just a little bit on the ship and everything will be fine. Exactly. And then one other thing, and I mean this actually worried me toward the beginning of the game, was Milton running the ball. Uh, So I went back and I watched pretty much the whole first quarter. He ended up with six runs. And the sixth one was actually one where he kind of dove and got his ankle rolled up on a little bit and was limping. But I went back, and most of these weren't really design runs. They're they're what's called RPOs, where the quarterback has a couple reads. He first has the option to give it to the running back based on where the defensive end is. And then if that's not there, he holds the ball, and he can either throw it to a receiver read or hold on to it himself. And that ended up being the read a bunch of times, but he ended up kind of putting himself in harm's way. And after that play where he kind of got his uh, ankle rolled up on He only ran the ball one more time for the rest of the game. So I don't know if it was him or the coaching staff or whatever, but these are the kinks that you kind of got to work out in the first game. Figure it out, get it out of your system, and then make the adjustments and move on and play better. Yeah, so I call this game tune-up number one. (laughs) Next week against South Carolina State is tune-up number two. We can work all these kinks out. One positive spin I will take on a few of the Milton runs was that he wasn't trying to do too much. You might have seen, you know, true freshman Milton, you know, fighting for that extra inch, that extra foot, that extra yard. Uh Uh, But one play in particular I want to bring back is the one where he was rolling to the left, had a bad angle with another defender. He had nowhere to go. Yeah. Nowhere to go. Knew he was beat. And he kind of just did a Peyton Manning, I'm going to fall over. (laughs) That's a good way to paint a picture with your words, Moo. I definitely agree. All right, so last thing on this game, and then we'll move on to a couple segments. What was your favorite play of the game? There was a bunch that kind of stood out to me, but what was your favorite? Oh, so by far, my favorite play was the first Trey Nixon touchdown. You know, Trey Nixon was almost not even eligible for this year. He's a transfer from Ole Miss. He, had to get a, he got a waiver. I believe he's a junior. Usually when you transfer from another school, you have to sit out a year. However, there was some situation. Then there's some strippers and some text messages and some coaches. I don't really know what else. We don't have to get into it. But Nothing to do with him. Yeah, no. But um, he was able to transfer to UCF and not have to sit out a year. So he was able to practice with, with the team throughout the summer. And um, yeah, I go back to that same, that kind of broken play where McKenzie found him running right and he just blew by the defender. And he was not open at all. No. Would you I, say? That was a contested I mean, the ball. The defender was all over him. That was a, the, that was a, the, the trust yeah. that McKenzie had in his own self yep. and, and with Trey, it was just a beautiful pass, a beautiful catch, and that, Not, that was his first UCF touchdown, and, so congrats, and, bud. And you talk about trust. The first pass that McKenzie threw to Trey, he dropped. And then McKenzie comes right back and just puts it up there for him to, you know, he had confidence in him that he was going to come down with it. Come down with it, he did. Hey, that's what I'm talking about, man. It's just all about working out the kinks. And I'm glad that we had this game to begin the season, even though it was on the road. Yeah. You know, it. Okay, so it was UConn, right? 
It was still a conference win uh-huh. on the road. Yep. Those are hard to come by. They they are. And now we've got we've only got three away games left because you know USF. Definitely an awesome start for the year. And I mean, I was really excited for this season. Now I'm like super freaking excited because I mean this game was just awesome. Answered a lot of questions I had on both sides of the ball. We're gonna continue to get better. I know our defense can play so much better, but they did okay, and it, it was a good win overall. My favorite play of the game, I, mean, I was going to say Daryl Maxstrom, but we talked about it already, so I get to pick a different one. And I don't know if this counts, but you know, whatever. It's our show. We make the rules. Gabe Davis's touchdown catch that didn't count. I look back at it. I mean, it was just absolutely insane. The body control he had. He had the defender on him, the pass interference, and then to get back in bounds. I think his foot was on the line when he started catching the ball, but when he made possession, his feet were in, and either way, it was a hell of an effort. Hey, he, of, he thought it was a touchdown for sure. Oh, so then it definitely counts. <laughs> but I thought that was an awesome catch. I mean, and honestly, it's almost not fair to say play of the game because there were so many awesome plays on both sides of the ball. That hit by Taj McGowan where he popped the defender's helmet off. I mean, That was cool. Yeah, that was, you know, Madden truck stick right there. Pat Jasinski had a great pass deflection. I think was it on fourth down? I mean, he kind of came out. The receiver almost had him beat, and he came up and jumped up and tipped that ball on the left sideline, and we got the ball back there, and they were charging in the, in the red zone there, scoring territory. You know, over the course of the game, we had a few nice pass breakups. Yeah. Also, I can't remember who the name of the, the one guy that we had an almost interception but he was kind of sliding on the ground. Yeah, towards the beginning of the yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, it went right into his chest and he dropped it. Yeah, whatever. But oh well. It's, a, it's just a... Hey, we still won the up. turnover margin 3-0, so we'll take it. Exactly. All right, I think that's it. You got anything else on this game? What's it like looking forward? So we've got, we've got SC State, obviously, and then we've got the three hard games coming up. After SC State, we got UNC on the road. I know... Following the Twitter Mafia and a few of the Facebook groups, there is going to be a huge night presence uh, up in Chapel Hill. Yep. So really looking forward to that. We're taking over North Carolina, baby. Then we got FAU on a short week coming back into the dungeon. And on a Friday, make sure you get off of work early so you can tailgate. And then <laughs> and then go to the game. Uh, going to be a... a Awesome atmosphere, the lame train uh, <laughs> coming into coming into the dungeon. Yeah, and we'll get a little preview of them. I'm going to watch that game's at, I think it's at noon today, Oklahoma FAU. I'm really interested. Apparently they have some issues at quarterback, but besides that, they're pretty loaded on both sides of the ball, but it'll be interesting to see how they do. Yeah, and when watching that FAU-Oklahoma game, just in case you didn't listen to the first episode, <laughs> I took FAU at plus 21. Yep. Probs agreed that it's going to be a lot closer game than people think. As Knight fans, we need to be rooting for FAU hard. We're rooting for all of our future opponents. Just if, they play. if FAU somehow pulls up the outright pulls out the outright win against Oklahoma, they're going to be ranked. Yep. And they need to be ranked when they come into UCF at the Dungeon for that Friday night game. It's only going to make our strength of schedule better. And it's going to be even sweeter when we kill them. Yep. And uh, there'll just be more excuses for them not to boost us up in the rankings. But that's, uh, I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) All right. Let's get to our segments here. The first one I've got is called Meanwhile to the West. Uh, So periodically, our rivals to the West, USF, 
end up popping up in the news, so we like to discuss them when they do. Usually for not good things. Always <laughs> not for good things. Um, so apparently USF has this mechanical bull thing that they're bringing to Raymond James Stadium that's going to flop around and blow some smoke out its nose like a jewel whenever they score something. Yeah, that's what USF engineering kids spend their time on. While UCF, we have limitless solutions building bionic arms for children. Yeah. All right, so let me read a little bit from this article. This is... It's too dumb to be true, but it actually is. All right. After months of design and development, accompanied by a bit of trial and error. Hold on, that would be... That's an awesome slogan. USF's new slogan. It's too dumb to be true, but it actually is. (laughs) USF. Too dumb to be true, but it actually is. All right. After months of design and development, USF is ready to roll out an innovative new game day element replete with bells, whistles, and even smoke-blowing nostrils. A motorized black fiberglass bowl will be unveiled before Saturday's season opener against Powerhouse Elon. Ultimately, the goal is for the bowl to chug across the back of the north end zone after each USF touchdown. So pretty much this stupid bowl thing is going to do two little lap skis, and then for the rest of the game, you know how bowls love red, right? Well, it's probably just going to end up smashing in all the empty seats there at Raymond James because they're all red and no one goes to the games. It's such a joke. I, I can't believe we've even wasted <laughs> talking about this stupid article. That's what this segment is for, Meanwhile in the West. Okay, our next segment is a quick Power 6 update. So we're going to keep you informed on what our conference opponents are doing. What do we got? Alright, for today's Power 6 update, we had last night as well Tulane playing against ACC foe Wake Forest. Tulane fought a hard battle. They actually had the, held the lead in the fourth quarter, however, dropped the game in overtime to Wake Forest. It was a good attempt, but to no avail. So what are the conference records now? I know it's tough to keep track of. All so currently Tulane is 0-1. UConn 0-1, and that puts UCF in the lead at 1-0. First place, baby, I'll take it. All right, next segment, Heisman Watch. We're going to do this every week. So, for Heisman Watch, Michael Kalubiali had one catch on two targets for 17 yards, but he was a huge decoy, running all over the field, making all the other receivers open. He was sprinting back from every play, back to the huddle, very, very quickly. Probably the quickest I've ever seen. So, yep. way to go, Coop. Something to keep an eye on. Hashtag Kalubiali for Heisman. Related, breaking news actually. Just got an update on my phone. KZ went from 40-1 to Heisman favorite to a 12-1 to Heisman favorite after last night's performance. So, I hope you guys got those bets in. I think I'm going to be rich after the season. <laughs> I put a lot of it's money. almost too late now. Twelve to one. I mean, hey, twelve it, to one. I mean, it's still pretty good. I mean, I'd what is it like a fourth or fifth choice on the board, something like that? Yeah. Um, well, but forty to one. You you had to have believed him in before. Well, I mean, we we were watching the Stanford game and Bryce Love wasn't doing anything. He was the favorite. So just goes to show you. I mean, one week can change anything. But I've got about three hundred fifty bucks betting on McKenzie, and uh, we're gonna party if he wins. It also goes to show you that you need to keep track on the One Night Stand podcast. Exactly. All we, all we give is winners. That is correct. All right. So next up, we've got questions from fans. Do you think taking Milton out when we are ahead will hurt his Heisman potential? 
I think it depends on the situation. I would say yes and no. Obviously, when you put up, you know, 346 yards of passing yards and five touchdowns, he did that in what three quarters, something like that. I mean, yeah. that's way more than most than most guys do in a full game. So, yep. If he has the stats, I think the Heisman voters, you know, take that into consideration, depending on how much you know we're up throughout the game. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna pull him unless we're up by a lot. And to get up by a lot, he's gonna have four or five touchdowns. So I don't think so, because at the end of the day, winning is more important than the Heisman. Obviously, we want to do both, but. We got to win ball games. I also Keep think that he's only going to win the Heisman if we lose maybe one game, exactly. go undefeated, and he's got to stay healthy. So taking him out of the game, yep. it lowers that risk. Exactly, I agree. All right, we got the next question from UCF Stool. Shout out Barstool. How long do you think we'll have KZ for? You know, before NFL scouts stop sleeping. This is a. I mean, this is a good question. You know. Depends on what happens this year, but I think absolute best case scenario, if we're in the playoff contention or you know ranked or whatever, and he's in the Heisman race. And I think even if he wins the Heisman, I, I don't think he's going to leave. You know, kind of like Lamar Jackson did, unless he's going to be like a top five draft pick. And I don't know if he would be rated as that after the season. He's got no reason to leave. What do you think? No, I think you're absolutely right. You know, like you just said, Lamar Jackson, he won the Heisman as a junior. Didn't yeah. Johnny Manziel, too, another one? Johnny won? was the only person to win as a freshman, Oh, actually. okay. A freshman, but, yeah. But well, the, just underclassmen in general. It's like, you don't have... You, you know, if you win the Heisman, it's not automatic. Yeah. You have to go to the NFL, so... But, uh, I mean, I think for him to go to the NFL, he's got to put on, you know, at least 15 more pounds or so. You know, it's tough to be under 200 and be a, an NFL quarterback. And he can do... He's got all the skills in the world. He just needs, I think, a little bit more size to be an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I mean, f- 15, 20 pounds and... He's basically Russell Wilson. So. Exactly, but better. Well, obviously. All right, next question. This is from Todd X. Allen. Do you think that the conference we're in is disrespectful to the UCF team? I wouldn't say it's disrespectful, but it kind of is what it is. I mean, all we can control is the W. Do we win the game or not? Exactly. And for the last 14 games in a row, I think we've controlled the controllables. So, what's up with Marlon Williams? Was expecting him to play a significant role this year. This question's by the Sean Penn. Okay, wow, we really messed this one up because I <laughs> thought all offseason that Marlon Williams was the key to the return game, whether it be punts, kicks, um, maybe using him as a running back. Definitely did not happen in this first game. Now, that's not to say that it won't happen throughout this season. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Heupel still has some tricks up his sleeve or a special assignment for Marlon Williams. But as far as what I was thinking in the off season, they kept him pretty quiet. You know, him and Cam Stewart didn't see the field much on Thursday, but that's not to say they're not great players and they are, but I think we just, we have such good receivers and we weren't really rotating them in and out like we used to with Frost. We kind of just stuck with those three. Um, so, but we'll see. It's only one game, and Hypo probably wasn't showing his full hand. He was probably showing, like, you know, one card out of the 52-card deck, honestly, because once we're up three touchdowns, there's no reason to pull out any tricks. We still got 11 regular season games to go, so I think he was keeping it as basic as possible once we pretty much had the win sealed. Okay, next question. This is from Paolini15. Do you think Bama will ever man up in playoffs? Hell no. Next question. 
Okay, the next question comes from eman0007. Are there any updates on the Aaron Robinson injury? So the last I heard was that he's in stable condition. He's going to be okay. They kept him overnight in a hospital. He should be released soon. Um, that's all we have. A very scary situation out there, and our thoughts go out to him. Yeah, so if you didn't see it, Aaron Robinson uh, transferred from Alabama, sat out the whole, the whole year last year, actually coming in on the very first play, the opening kickoff on special teams, flying like there was no tomorrow. He was actually the first person to contact the ball carrier and instantly went down and was not moving. It was a very, very scary situation, but apparently he is going to be okay yeah. for recovery. Hopefully. So our think- thoughts and prayers for Aaron and his family. All right, so that's all we have for you guys tonight. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes and hit subscribe. Uh, We'd really, really appreciate that. And like we said last time, all feedback, good or bad, really appreciate it. You can tweet us, um, and and we'll we'll, we'll take it. Uh, You got anything else? Yeah, I just want to say overall, come out to the game. Next week we got South Carolina State. These football players have worked their ass off this offseason for their for them to have a sold out crowd screaming at the top of their lungs, bouncing a zombie nation there on Saturday night, six oh five kickoff. Yep. Tailgate starts at noon, remember? <laughs> and speaking of tailgate, our plans for next week's show, we're gonna go over the weekend in college football, some updates on our NFL nights, and then we've also got a survival survival guide for tailgate season that we're gonna bring you guys. So it should be a lot of fun. But like Moose said, come out to the game, be loud, except when we're on offense, and it's going to be an awesome season, and uh, we're, we're, we're here for the ride. Can't wait. Go Knights. Charge on.